1: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right, yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum sponsored by Managers. <laughs>
2: I'm Jembe, I'm Millie Bell's daughter, and I did my first Dum 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 intro when I was ten. I'm now sixteen, and as it's Millie's last social media roundup, I thought, why not do another one? Dum dee dum dee dum dee da. Dum dee dum dee da da. Dum dee dum dee dum dee da. Dum dee da da da. Dum dee da da Dum dee da da
0: Dum dee da da da. Dum dee dum dee dum dee da. Dum dee da da
2: da. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that I sent in Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the powerful locomotive that is Royfield Brown, and oh, with me I have the little engine that could... Kerry Warbis, And we are joined by the evil Dr. Beechin, who is... Peter Fickling. And the last part of this week's slow descent into steam engine whimsy, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum is from Jembe, who is the daughter of our soon-to-be-departing Millie Bell. Um, Kerry, if somebody would like to send us in a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that?
3: If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send a text message starting with dumb to 077 862 00690. Thanks to Yoko Bear and Millie Bell, our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices and to Lucy V Freeman.
2: On this week's episode, we hear views from Rosie Porty. I think going to hear her twice. Uh, Dusty substances. Claire from Clapham. Cranky Yankee, and Sandra Jenkinson. But first, we have our burning issue of the week. This week's hot topic is. Joy Horville on a scale of fab to brilliant, how awesome is she? Um, Peter, Kerry, what are your feelings about the Geordie newcomer? Let's start with you, Mister Fickling.
4: Well, I, I mean, I've been a big Peggy Woolley fan, and i it, it was one of the few times I kind of like sort of locked horns with her, and uh, not that she was aware um because i thought she was really horrible <laughs> to joy and i there's a sort of uh, an essential good naturedness about joy that is i don't understand why everyone's squashing her and especially in a village that's supposed to be sort of famous for its uh, welcoming nature or sort of self-advertised as famous for its welcoming nature joy kind of shone a, a sort of a light or held a mirror up to the fact that you know there's a bit of a hard edge and they were everyone was you know like royally unpleasant to her i don't know what you guys thought
3: Yeah, I mean, I I can remember when she first came, the only thing that was a bit sort of irritating, that was commented on a bit, was that she talked incessantly at everybody. Uh, But having said that, this week I have realised that she's not called Joy without accident, you see. She is a Joy. Joy.
4: I think, um I think part of the reason maybe I was so kind of defensive for her is I might be a bit of a joy hauler myself. I do see people's faces kind of drop when <laughs> I, when I kick into second or fifth gear. you know uh, my one of my chat marathons gets going. I actually had it today with my next door neighbor, you know I just saw him kind of open the door and look absolutely full of gloom,
2: so maybe <laughs> I'm, maybe I'm projecting slightly well the 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 thing is about joy and is that not only is she new to the village. But, my God, doesn't everybody know it? Because she's trying incredibly hard. That's the Mm. thing, isn't it? She tries so incredibly hard to ingratiate herself, to be Mm. in the middle of things. And that's what's kind of, initially anyway, uh, kind of wound people up the wrong way.
3: I was just trying to think, what has she actually really done wrong? It's nothing, is it? She's just tried hard to be really lovely to everyone.
5: Mm.
4: Yeah, are you supposed to wait the... Um, well advertised 20 years before you're allowed to call yourself a local or a village you're supposed to just sit indoors (laughs) until someone eventually comes around with a cake or something I mean (laughs) you know if you watch American movies it's it's always you know Amish people marching from sort of 12 miles away to bring you an apple pie or something and help you raise a barn
3: that's one thing that Covid has brought to my neighborhood is that you know we have a whatsapp group for my street and we're lending things left right and centre and helping out like yesterday I borrowed a power screwdriver uh, from a neighbour because I didn't have one. Um, was so it Nikita, that, uh, Kerry? It was, it was. Yeah. Oh, did you and, know and,
2: and, and did you fall in love with it, Kerry?
3: Yeah, I went and borrowed a screwdriver and I fell in love.
2: With the with screen, the screen bar. Bar. Yeah. yeah. Well, that uh, solves
4: the, that solves all the problems that Royville was trying to take. Royfield, Royville, Royfield was trying to take care of last week. I, 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 um, I did a portmanteau <laughs> of um, Joy Horville and Royfield.
3: <laughs> yeah, you did
2: Royville. <laughs> now, um, Joy Horville has got a whole legion of fans, and and here is um, a message from one of her fans.
6: Oh. Hi, everybody out there in Dum Land. It's Rosie Porty here. I hope you're all doing well and staying safe. I'm calling in this week to celebrate hearing from Joy last week on the monologues and it's just so great to hear the character coming into her own. Whether it's flirting with her Spanish tutor online, handing out horoscope guidance to Johnny, rescuing Fallon from a toddler breakdown and then ta-da! Coordinating a sting operation against the vile Timote from her Beechwood home. This vindicates my long-held view that Joy is a fantastic character brought in to drive plots forwards and to be a support to those in need. I know she'll be there for Kirsty when it all goes tits up with Philip. So hurrah for Joy. Take care, everybody, and stay safe.
2: Well, isn't she just some all-purpose character, Joy? If you just go through what Rosie said, you know, she's uh, taken down one of the local wrong-uns, a big gangster. You know, there's, she she put her own sting operation together. She's great with, with toddlers. Uh, she's given, you know, emotional and relationship advice, Uh, to others you know is there anything she just can't do
3: I'm worried about her though because she she's um, brought down the criminal so I'm a bit worried about retribution happening
2: but my gut is though that because she because we are in uh, the weird twilight world of monologues Actually, we can conveniently now forget about Timothy. This was a way actually to get rid of the character, you know, being this like, malodorous spell around um, Ed Grundy. Mm. Because really, the big bad is now Philip Moss. So the fact that actually the storyline with Timothy was not really actually resolved, we've, we've done this now. Joy Horville has come in, you know, detective style, solved the case, <laughs> and then we can just move on. I'm not wrong, Am I Pete?
4: Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree. Uh, In in fact, the whole, the only thing that annoyed me about um, Joy sort of capturing him, sorry, you keep on saying Timothy and I keep on forgetting his name, Timothy, that's it. Yeah. The only thing that annoyed me about Tim being caught was that it did seem a bit low rent. He's gone from being this kind of Mm well-connected gangster, sort of operating um, pan-national schemes to going door to door trying to make seventy quid. Pan nationals?
2: Oh, so it was barely pan Borsicher. Where are you getting pan national from?
4: Oh, I mean, wasn't wasn't Ed driving sort of up and down the country with Oh, you are right. Lorries
2: for you're nuclear waste. Sp- yeah, you're spot on. Well done.
3: <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah. <laughs> See, he's quite big, and uh, and yet yeah. here he
4: is going around Joy's house asking if he can um, get rid of her, you know, old kitchen and some um, recycling.
2: Mm. Anyway, I,
4: sorry, I'm be, being a bit pedantic, but...
2: No, no, no. Well, you, you, were, you were right to, to pull me up when I was trying to uh, be a proper smart-ass by saying how the heck was was uh, Timote um, pan-national. But you're right, you know, Ed was getting up at the crack of dawn and was up till all hours and nearly fell asleep at the wheel. He was being pushed that hard by by this wrong. And so you are mm-hmm. right, you are right. But uh, but Joy Horville, um, is she going to be Marjorie Antrobus uh, Mark II, in that she is uh, this kind of confidant, strong person in the village, um, lives by herself, because it, it's not by accident that Fallon said what we all know is that she's lonely, you know. And, mm. and, and you know, so is she going to be the new quiet matriarch of the village?
3: No, because she doesn't like being lonely. Does mm. she? She's, you know, it was really sweet when she was she said uh, people passing by, you know, give her a wave. And she's glad of that. She's ordering vegetables so that she can talk to somebody uh, to be delivered, isn't she? Uh, And no, she doesn't want to be alone. You know, Marjorie was quite happy, wasn't she, with that? She was. Uh, Whereas our joy and she's, you know, perving over Eduardo and wishing that (laughs) people would come and visit her. Extra you know, point if you can
4: remember. Can you remember Eduardo's surname? Oh, oh it, it's there a are football. about
3: four or five different. Was it? It began with a C. Caldero um, or something.
4: Think of think of a famous fictional boxer, and you're right there. Balboa. Oh,
3: who was it?
4: Ah. Yeah, I think it's yeah. It so Eduardo Balboa is her uh, Spanish teacher, which <laughs> I was delighted by. Um, and he's he's un, indeterminate height, um, dark and handsome. Oh yeah, because she hasn't seen him stand up
3: yet, because he conducts his Spanish lessons lying down.
4: Because even with her, even when she was doing her monologue, there is a sort of a gentle wit to the way that she talks. And I mean, and obviously multiple writers must have taken a tilt at her, but they've managed to sort of, they give her a sort of a, you know, a very gentle Mm. sort of warm, I'm trying to think of, I can't think of the word, but so yeah, there's a, there's a humor to her, her personality that I think they get across really
2: well.
3: Yeah. And I love her voice.
2: Well, I was going to say, isn't that kind of where half of the humour comes from? It's because she has this very beautiful kind of uh, singy-songy lilt, and it is that Geordie accent, isn't it?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic part of the world. And I I used to be the sort of um, slightly chippy southerner who would get annoyed whenever uh, people from up north would say how sort of um, stuck-up, frosty, and sort of, um, you know... Uh, reticent to kind of be friendly we were and sorry very bad English um but uh, but yeah then I went to Northumberland and I was, Thumberland and I was like absolutely we're everything they say these people are amazing
3: I was just going to say did we ever solve the mystery of why she you know if she's so sort of into Rochelle why she moved away from her
2: we haven't at all and no. and that's what I was going to kind of go on to say before kind of wrapping this up obviously uh, this loneliness and this hurt that she has is wrapped up with her relationship with her with her daughter with Rochelle and we've got mm-hmm. can can any can any of you wildly speculate as to what has gone on the reason why they are estranged because they obviously are
4: yeah. I, I, I mean, beyond cliches, I mean, I, I can do one of my normal nonsensical rants, <laughs> but uh, I don't really think that's going to help anyone. Um,
3: do you think Joy's been in prison and this is a new identity?
4: <laughs> boy, that's my job, Perry. Nonsensical ranting's my job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe she's, you know, maybe, maybe Joy is uh, kind of like in witness protection or something. She's, uh, you know, she was running all kinds of games. So, you know, this this could segue neatly into just sort of and Johnny's gambling problem. You know Roy was running numbers up in Newcastle and now she's hiding <laughs> <them>. <laughs> down
2: yeah. south. Well, let's see how long it's gonna take uh for us for, for the script writers mm-hmm. when everything is back to normal. It, you know, when we get to the heart of actually what's gone on between yeah. Joy and her daughter. Because I don't even think we know where Rochelle lives, do we? I don't yeah. it's, it's not that yeah. she's up in Newcastle no
4: she spent some time this week talk disapproving of rochelle's parenting methods there was yeah. sort of stuff about screen time and she was mm. talking about how the kids were playing around the pond or whatever it was and that's the first time i think she sort of said anything negative about rochelle in in public mm. in public and obviously that's part of the monologue um sort of uh delivery method but you know previously it's all been rochelle's the greatest she's successful all this sort of stuff um, it might, it might just be, so it might be, what was that amazing program with Rob Brydon, the one that kind of launched him, um, uh, Jeff and ah, something he's
3: in the taxi.
4: Yes, exactly. Yeah, Marion yeah, and yeah. Jeff. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic. It might just be something sad like Marion and Jeff and she, and Rochelle has just moved on and uh, has, a, has a busy life. It might be something as prosaic and as dull as that.
5: Hmm.
3: Bless joy. When she said you can't yeah. put a price on a smile.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: sorry to sorry to return to a, a previous one of my pet theories, but I do feel that basically they made a mistake getting rid of Vicky, and now they've just had to re re-engineer her um, in joy. I do feel like she does a lot of the jobs that Vicky used to, and I was a big Vicky fan. just
2: You are right, but there's more pathos actually with joy than with Vicky. uh Vicky Vicky's pathos was in that she always wanted to be a mother. And then she she has motherhood, and then it was going to be her fighting uh, to um, to make sure that uh, Bethany was going to be accepted by you know by society. And we never yeah. quite had that, did we? Because uh, the Tuckers got shipped out uh, to Brum, mm. whereas mm. with Joy, it's written much more on its sleeve. You know this. The character of Rochelle, her daughter, and their estrangement um, is just been there fr- from day one. Yeah, but 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 I agree they they do serve similar uh, a similar purpose though. Uh, Vicky wasn't exactly the busybody in the village that that Joy is.
4: But now, you know, but now Joy is going to be, I mean, it's going to be glorious to see, you know, are we, how many How many times are we going to hear people saying, oh, I got Joy wrong, or I've got to go and, you know, maybe I should have given Joy more time and, oh, look what she's done for the village. You know, the Grundys are going to be round there. Clary's definitely going to do something nice for her.
3: I don't honestly see her as a busybody either.
4: Oh, she busy- is. No, I didn't think that. No, no, no
3: she, she is. I'm just interesting in this stuff. I don't think busybodies, there's an element of, not niceness about them, I, I honestly can't think there's of, no agenda inside to her yeah uh, well,
2: okay, I, I suppose this is how we uh, you know what we associate with the expression busybody. I don't mean it in terms of she wants to run people's lives, but mm. she wants to be in the middle of the village. number one because she's new, number two is because she's lonely, so yeah. she will appear to be a busybody uh, for people. you know if you're Linda Snell. And this woman, you know, pushes away uh, into the you can imagine how Linda would would think that this woman is pushing away into the village. She hasn't quite done yeah. her time yet before she wants to be on the committee organizing uh, the flower and produce show or the village faith, yeah. etc. You know, uh, it's not that she's a bad person at all, but it's a case of you yeah. haven't quite done your time. You know, you haven't been here for, for 25 years before putting, putting yourself up for Paris Council I- type of thing.
3: Props to Fallon, then, for inviting her around and recognising yes. that she's a lovely woman who just needs a yes. bit of company. Mm. And even at that point, Harrison was like, oh, God, it's joy. You mm. know? Yeah, and Although
2: he's, he's going to be really a big fan. Well, mm. exactly, because they're, they're a crime-busting double act now, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, I
4: think, I think um, Royfield, you were talking about perception and um, Kerry was talking about the kind of, you know, the emotional truth. I mean, I can see how, I mean, it basically everyone else is playing catch up with what we, the listener, have known since day one, which is Joy is a decent and good person. And to question her motives and look for some kind of
2: more malign intent is just to get it all wrong. Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, my, my last thought on Joy Horville uh, mm. is this. It's not by accident that she lives next to um, Kirsty and the evil Phil. When that kasplat, splat, um, she's going to be there uh, to pick up the, the Kirsty pieces.
3: Ah.
2: You know, we've had this foreshadowing with her, you know, um, when she was trying to bring round food. There was something when uh, Kirsty and Phil first moved in and I can't remember it, mm-hmm. any, whether she was bringing around food for them or she was saying you can come round to mine or something or another that was it she says you can come round and Kirsty and Phil had to run out there do you remember yeah. uh, so they are, setting, they are setting up a relationship between Joy and Kirsty. when Kirsty finds out what Phil is up to with his horses um, she's going to be there to pick up the pieces absolutely
3: yeah, Because other, other than Fallon inviting her around, I'm trying, I was trying to imagine who else in the village would sort of have time for her. Because, um, there was Tony for a bit, wasn't there?
4: Mm. Mm.
3: Uh, that didn't go too well, but, but we like Joy,
4: <laughs> don't we? We don't want Joy to suffer any more than she has to. We want to to. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, unless. Either of you got any more to say about Joy Horville, I think we should do a little bit of this.
6: Hello, Ambridge 3962.
2: First off, it's uh, Waking Craken.
6: Hello, Royfield and all
5: dumpty dummers. It's Nick, the Waking Craken from Deepest Hampshire, along with the chickens of Ambridge. Um, long time since I've called in, so I wanted to um, firstly congratulate you, Royfield, on the way you dealt with those um, that horrid little boy that Zoom bombed on the last um, Zoom that we had. You should be doing relaxation tapes, your voice, honestly. I wanted to mention about Harrison's grand gesture. I think Krusty would have been horrified by the plastic waste that he'd ordered from... Obviously, that online company that wasn't um, mentioned, i.e. Amazon, I don't think should have been too happy about all the plastic, you know, the paddling pool and all that kind of malarkey. Um, Somebody mentioned about Emma and Ed um, and how they'd cope with all the children. I think they'd be absolutely fine. Loads and loads of outside space, and Emma would get them doing lots and lots of fun things. And Peggy, Peggy, like the cockroach of time, thrives while others wither and die. So there's no hope of her shuffling off during Covid. She's just going to hang around like the vampire she is. Anyway, you've kept me going over lockdown and various bits and pieces and um, hope to talk to you too. Take
3: care. Well, thanks, Waking Kraken. What was the Zoom bomber, then? Uh, Because I missed that,
2: Roy. Um, It was when we did Sonny Ormond, who plays Lillian. Um, There were about four people who um, weren't supposed to be there. Uh, There were, I don't know, about 70, between 60 and 70 people on Zoom, and I was just admitting people, admitting people. And they, they were smarter than the first time. You know, with them uh-huh. he, where the old gentleman just got his John Thomas out and just went for it.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't know about that.
3: Did you
0: know <laughs> Peter? No, no, Look,
2: Peter. It made the national news, sir. It you know, did. Wh- wh- where have you been? So, <laughs> so this time um it was I don't know, ten, fifteen minutes in. I'm speaking to Sonny and 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 I said something, and three people just answered uh line after line you know i said to somebody, are you going to i, I can't remember exactly what it says but you know um are, are you going to do x y z this weekend with your family and somebody said no i'm effing not uh but obviously when people speak their name comes up and then quite simply you just go and just remove them yeah. uh this happened three times in very quick succession like it wasn't even a hassle then um when i when we went on to the quiz Uh, doing the picture round somebody started drawing over uh the images and at first I just let it go and then they started making drawing some kind of lewd stuff slowly but surely and I just says look just stop right I don't know what pleasure or fun you're getting out of doing this um we are here just to enjoy ourselves we haven't done anything to you stop spoiling our enjoyment Mm. right just stop and they did, and they went. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that—that's what uh, they're referring to. And um, yeah, they just—they yeah. just stopped, well, just just disappeared. What
4: well well, they? Well, I mean, maybe they—maybe some—they wanted to be told off in your, you know, apparently in your very uh, smooth, and beautiful voice. <laughs> <scene>. Kerry, <laughs> I didn't realise this. Has Royfield got a very attractive voice? I mean, I haven't. Yeah. We all know that, but.
3: No. Well, you uh, really put.
2: Oh, thanks, thanks, Kerry.
3: No, I didn't uh, say no. I was like going no. You, Pete thinking he didn't have a nice voice, but uh, yeah, you have got a lovely voice. Obviously, oh, you make it. a living out it, of. Uh, it was
2: it, it. was just being firm, but not lo- losing losing my rag and stuff. It's and a really it,
3: good tactic that, though, isn't it? Because what it does is just highlight how idiotic they are, really. Yeah, which is great.
4: And it doesn't work on me and Kerry, so
2: I mean no. <laughs> <laughs> um what else did Waking uh, Craig uh say?
3: She said that Peggy's a vampire cockroach. Well, so I'm quite...
2: <laughs> I'm a bit of a Peggy woolly fan. And I just think this piling on that people have of uh Of Peggy Woolley is just mean beyond belief considering she's supposed to be 90 odd and whatever she's she's the matriarch of that family she had an abusive alcoholic husband she brought up uh, three kids by herself etc etc she came out of the east end of London you know the gal did good that's the way I (laughs) that's the way I see it
3: she also brought up, which did not occur to me at all when I was listening to it, about the amount of plastic that Harrison was purchasing.
4: Yes, mm.
3: I, I I didn't even think of it. Did you two? That it, you know, the plastic no. pineapple fairy lights, the paddling pool. Uh, goodness knows what else. There was a whole list of activities and things which we can perhaps talk about later, but. Mm. It was all yeah, a bit OTT. Was... I mean, nice effort to sort of show the woman that you love, that you want her to have a relaxing time at
2: home. But maybe was... I, mm. I, I think I think it's a, it's a, an astute observation to make. You know, Fallon of all characters is going to want to upcycle, recycle. But who's to say that actually he didn't get everything actually secondhand and is then going to donate it? You know, on free cycle. We don't know that he actually got them from Amazon. He could have got mm-hmm. them from FreeCycle himself. Only
3: Dwayne, the courier, can tell us.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: that was that was actually um, um, a high point of the week. I thought was uh, was Harrison's little preparation. Little? Was, well, <laughs> uh, sorry the sorry the length of the, the length the the length of the description. No, you're right. It was quite sizable. I mean, it was uh, yeah. yeah. It was Magaluf in a back garden, wasn't it? It was quite something. It
3: really was. What did he call it? Costa del Ambridge, he called it. Yeah. Uh, Cocktails, intimate pergola, uh, a a massage, a barbecue, a disco. Uh, What else was there? Oh, uh, watching Reservoir Dogs. Oh, he did a bag search and frisked her as well, didn't he?
4: Yeah. I mean... (laughs) It's something I have to remember.
3: Mm. Which, which I mean, this
4: is the thing. So, something I have to remember when I listen to the Archers is that I am not, I am not, first of all, in Ambridge or in any way the target audience for pretty much anything that anyone wants to do. But, Kerry, would you? How would you feel if that was that you came home and your um your Mm. partner had laid all that on?
3: Um. Yeah, the cocktails in the paddling pool, great. All the rest of it, bit bit much to be honest. And you're playing you Labamba as well, which is a bit of a no-no, really.
4: Kerry, go around the corner. You're not allowed to come home for half an hour. so You're now late. You're in your clothes from a hard day at um, you know, at work, and you step in, and the first thing is you have to, you know. And by the way, you you pointed out on your tweet There's on the he's he's got an agenda. He was very, you know, uh, oh, Harrison God. has some pent up. Frustration. Mm. So I think you know <laughs> yeah. he, he he accelerated pretty fast.
3: <laughs> well, Daisy scuppered that, didn't she?
2: Mm.
7: The
3: arrival of Daisy. I
2: I, mm. I I don't know. Just the whole thing just felt a little bit too clunky for me. Just I I don't know. I'm trying to be as generous as possible. I appreciate that. I don't know. Can we just have another call? If he, caller if in he a had
3: done, if he had done three of the twenty-five things, that mm. might have been
5: okay.
2: Well, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I really like, I like people to be happy, and I think, yeah. in in terms of drama, it's hard to write people that are in love and that are happy. Write them in in an interesting way. Mm. It's just hard. It's what we want in real life. And even though we say we want to watch that on TV or are on on the radio, we actually don't. We want strife. We want misunderstandings. We want animus. We want angst. We do. That's much more interesting. However, there was something about this which just didn't quite sit properly with me. And maybe it's just the length of time. And the description of everything, because Mm. we don't because we don't have an episode with, let's say, five or six characters. At most, it's four now at most. And everything just feels incredibly elongated in in terms of time. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it felt excruciating uh, uh, to me. And I, I listened to this in the bathroom I had a shave I cut my hair I had a shower and I managed to do things which um, would have taken me I don't know a good hour and a half and this episode was still going on and I'd done all of those things and yeah
3: he, he was kind of running through a list wasn't he really I've done this I've done that I've done this oh I wait
2: till she sees this yeah and and the thing is and and I'm up for the character of harrison burns you yeah. know and i think we so obviously is what what i said before seeing the emergence of him as being a more uh center stage character going forward mm-hmm. you know he's going to bust uh, open the whole phil and the horses thing that's going to happen he's going to get the plaudits of the village etc he's a thoroughly decent guy he loves his missus they're going to start a family etc etc blah 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 but i don't know i i this mm. this just felt totally excruciating for me and and i just think it's the delivery mechanism which yeah. we have at the moment it was case of okay i'll get it you know mm. you, do you know
4: the um do you know the story of cliff from cheers how that character entered the show no so John Ratzenberger, I think that's his name. He went to audition for the role of Norm, and he 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 could sense he wasn't getting it. And as he walked out, he said, "Are you going to have a pub bore?" And um and they said, um, what? No, but why? And he explained the role of the pub bore would be mm-hmm. that you know, not only a useful um, character to have there and a natural character to have there, but also someone who can segue between different characters, can be boring someone at one side of the bar, can segue across. And you see that in the arches all of the time, the shop, the bull. And there's all these different set piece kind of scenarios that they use to help you sort of do exposition on things like this without having to chew through actual um, um, episode time. Mm -hmm. And they haven't got any of that. So they have to, you know, to Kerry's point, they have to read out the, um, uh, you know, the full shopping
2: list of items. There's no other way of doing it. Mm. Uh, expert analysis. It's the it's re, it's reason why we pay you the big bucks we have on the podcast. <laughs> uh, and on that note, <laughs> let, let's keep it up in land. It's Mia.
7: Hi, Royfield and all Dumpty Dum peeps worldwide. This is Mia in Newcastle land for a kickoff off. Thanks for the turf wars with the academic archers. I love both groups so much and it makes me very happy when you come together like that. I don't really have anything to say about the monologues per se this last week, although I think Joy is a dream. Uh, I like her, her musings, but about the coming of the, the dialogues that that, that are going to be coming soon and my concern that I aired a few weeks ago about some of the very older actors, like the one who plays Piggy, making the journey to the mailbox. I think even she's in Spain. So mm, I'm not so sure. Perhaps it's time for one or two of those older characters to be to be written out. Please, God, Jill.
2: Jill must die.
7: However, I also want to say a great big thank you to Yokel Bear and to Millie Bell for their uh, Facebook roundups. It's been a joy listening to them, and I wish them well. I wish the new ones great, fortune two as they take on the the mantle but that's all for today so this is mia signing out Hooroo.
3: oh mia uh, jill must die <laughs> i
7: wasn't excited
4: <laughs> yeah that's quite i mean I, yeah, I, I i i i would have thought jill's like sort of tofu just a complete you know you can't really have strong opinions either way i would have thought but apparently not
3: oh you she can, must die you can. You can have strong opinions about her.
4: I'm sensing you have a strong opinion.
3: Yeah. Uh, But, you know, the coming of the dialogues, yes. How they'll go into, you know, that from the monologues will be interesting. And whether the older, um, older actors will be able to do that and go to the studio. Are they saying that the dialogues will have to be done in a studio, or that they've no. found the
2: technology to do it? They've written okay. their own technology. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I was wondering that.
2: Yeah. yep. Yeah. So, okay. um, it it can't happen a moment too soon, I think. I think for most people, but yeah, the, the clever yeah. buffings down at the Beeb got some custom own uh, software. So. Hmm.
3: Mm so they're remote you assume, but together
2: you assume it's not just for the um for the archers well yeah you, you'd assume that it isn't i must admit not that i know much about anything and that's not false modesty but i don't understand why they couldn't use clean feed what we're using right now mm. i get it that zoom um is doing a whole load of things in the background so you can't sync but the, but uh with clean feed um it's much more syncable and um, is just like a, a live yeah. open, open channel. So, uh, um, but maybe they've just modified this. Who, who, who's to know? Who's yeah. to know? But
3: And yeah. with this, Royfield, you can eliminate background sounds that pop in, can't you? Um, well, yeah, could... because
2: because it's all recorded on, on different tracks, which you can actually do with, with Zoom as well. That's just within the, um, you know, you go underneath the bonnet of... Uh, Uh, um zoom and it record you know if you've got 50 people on on a zoom call it can record all of them individually you know so Mm. then you just if
3: there's background noise like there was a car alarm going off here just now could you you could get that out of the recording
2: sounds like you've never heard one of the shows that we've done i'm
3: I'm talking to the audience here my (laughs)
2: love. oh sorry (laughs) sorry
3: It's a rhetorical question, oh. you know.
2: Uh, but you y- can, can't yes, you? Kerry, so, you yeah. can. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and could you put sound effects on as well in the background? Uh, like, could you put a sheep at this point when we're uh, talking? You know and what? We're...
2: You know what? Right now, right in the edits, <gasps> when people listen to this, they think we're in the middle of Brookfield. You know, ah. there are sheep, are bleating. There's a couple of pigs over in the corner, just um, snorting, whatever pigs do. And, yeah, I I will layer all of that on. However, Can you you hit command shift Barry White for me, please? Give me a rumbling, baritone, deep voice. That would be much appreciated. No, but I can play a little bit of Barry White. You know, I can only work with what I've got, Peter. Do you know what Uh, what I mean? I'm not an alchemist. (laughs) And then I prove your point with my reading little
4: laugh.
5: (laughs) Only a fool maybe takes things for granted. Just because it's here today, it could be gone tomorrow. And I guess that's why why I cherish you so much, because you, you haven't changed. Uh,
2: Mia, uh, thank you for, for, for all of your support. And also, um, we'll be giving our Millie Bella special uh, tribute at the end of the show, but thank you uh, for mentioning Uh, the work of Millie Bell. And now it's Dusty Substances.
6: Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. Um, I haven't called in for a while. It's been very odd. I keep forgetting that The Archers is on because I am out of routine at home. And also The Archers is out of routine. But I've been catching up with the summaries on the Sounds app when I haven't been able to listen. And I've really enjoyed the Zoom meetings that we've had with members of the cast when I've been able to get to them. Um, Just ringing really to say I'm glad that normality is looming. Um, You know, I think it was a really good effort doing the monologues, but when we get the dialogues back, it will be brilliant. Um, Having spent much of lockdown doing drama online with various groups of people, It really is tricky to do it on Zoom with the delays and the broadbands and everything going crazy. So well done for what they've done. But I'm really looking forward to getting back to normal and uh, seeing some loose ends tied up. But not least, Kirsty and Philip. So uh, fingers crossed for all of that. Anyway, love to everybody and hope everyone stays well. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye
3: oh lovely dusty substances uh she's a long long time fan and contributor isn't she Um, Mm -hmm. and it's great on the twitters too and a bit of a thespian as she mentioned Uh, so she's been out of routine and is very excited about normality and you know the kirsty and philip thing will they sort of get straight into that when the dialogues start happening you two
4: told me off for being naive about that, but I really, really want my um. It's more of a request or prediction or a kind of combination of the two. I really want Philip not necessarily to get away with it, because I do understand that's not how docudramas work. But I yeah. don't see why we can't have the audience knowing one truth, and then the knowing the truth, and the people in the village not knowing about his side life, or uh, mm. for a while at least. I don't see why it has to be a big kind of um a big reveal where he gets hauled off to the nick or something. Um, I, anyway that's what I hope I really, I don't, I don't want Kirsty and Philip to end quickly I want them to keep on going as a couple
3: um, A long future for this docu soap, isn't there so they don't need mm. to tie this up in the next month or so it could yeah. rumble on a bit longer with a bit more of an interesting situation mm. dramatically
4: mm. Kerry are you yeah. as impressed as I am how secure Royfield's managed to make this bed sit I mean, we've never even managed to get into the same room, and uh, he keeps that fridge incredibly well stocked. I've got to say. It, um,
5: <laughs> you know,
4: it's.
3: Yeah, I'm, I, I the, hate, I I the hate the sleeping on well. the floor, though. Yeah, can I've, we have a mattress never, or two, Royfield? Yeah. I've never got on with futons, so this floor thing's horrible.
4: Yeah, and I wonder what um, Mrs. Royfield knows about, you know, about his mm. dark life as a kind of a black market um, podcaster. <laughs>
2: Really good record shop in the late 80s to 90s doing UK garage, black market. Anyway, Claire from (laughs) Clapham.
8: Hi, Dumpty Dum, Claire from Clapham here. Uh, two things I wanted to say this week. One is thank you so much for the fantastic Academic Arches episode. Obviously, I'm biased, but it's great to hear um, Nick and Cara on Dumpty Dum and uh, cannot wait for them to do a show with with a spoon, uh, possibly also with uh, Karen Pollock, who's our resident counselling expert within the Academic Arches. That would be a fun thing to do, particularly with a post bag, maybe, or something like that. Um, Yeah, it was great. Uh, The other thing was, the only thing that really came to me in all of the kind of excitement of this week of The Archers was listening to Tony go on and on and on about that bloody train set. And I thought to myself, is there a man alive or in fiction who is as emotionally kind of dense and stupid and, I don't know, remote as Tony Archer? Uh, And of course the answer came to me, Immediately, which is yes, there is, and it was Tom Archer because I can remember ringing many times to uh, agree that Tom is a twonk, uh, I think was the word, and that he was emotionally dense and, um, you know, so like father, like son. Uh, it just shows that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree when it comes to being just emotionally dull. Um, what do any of them see in them? So, uh, yeah, keep up the good work and I will speak to you again soon. Bye.
3: Ah, Claire from Clapham. Yes, Tony was droning on a lot, wasn't he? (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I'm sure we'll go into this, but, you know, what did that train set thing mean? Was it symbolic or not? Or was it simply? I mean, he acted so weirdly with that, about the the kids Mm. playing with it, didn't he? He He was literally, you know, it's been in the loft for ages. He hasn't thought about it. And then he's wrestling it from Henry.
2: But you know what, though, right? I, I've got big love for Claire, right? We do Map Corner together, went yep. down to see her the other day, right? And again, I will say that I think this is the delivery mechanism of how we're getting this information, which we're really struggling with. But Tony actually did say, Tom, sorry, John and I used to do this together. And then here he is with the with the John's son, and he wants to share that with him. He did say that. He said he wished he'd done it with John. No, he said no, 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 he no, did. no. He did no, 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 because actually, if you, re- I can't remember which day's episode it was, but he actually says that Pat when he didn't want to give it to Henry because Henry was like a bull at a gate. He said, and yeah, Pat had to remind him. That John had it at an earlier age than Henry, and he says, "So there goes my theory." So no, then there was a later bit. Yeah. There was a later bit where it yeah. turns out he was going through the.
4: Um, there was about half an hour where he was going through the photo book, uh, giving you a blow-by-blow description of each one and commenting on his hair and uh, figure, um, and uh, yeah. And then he said, "Oh, oh, look, Pat was wrong. Here it is. That was a different set, and that was the one that John ruined." Um, so there was two. There was two train sets.
3: He definitely did say, "I wish okay. I'd done more of this with John." Like he he hadn't really done it much with John, so he mm-hmm. was now projecting that onto Johnny and wanting to do that with him. Okay. Who doesn't fucking want to? So. And the, the
4: other thing, the other thing was, I, I don't I don't agree with you, Royfield, and not just for the fun of it. I I think it's more than the delivery method. It's it, it's just Tony is he's such an awkward character, and I was I was going yeah. to ask you. If, I will ask you, you're a bit of a petrol head. You like things that go round and round and round, as in Formula One. Mm. Did you have any kind of sympathy for for him from that point of view? Did you think it was at all plausible that he could be so emotionally attached to this train set? Because I I just don't think – I was talking to Kerry about it earlier on, Mm. and I – I don't think, you know, what was the, what was the example I gave, uh, Kerry? Men don't go and sit by riverbanks all day just to catch, you know, with a mm. fishing rod in your hand because they want to catch fish. It's more than that. And, but the way that he was describing the train set was purely about kind of like mechanics and that sort of stuff. And so I don't, even if it was the delivery but, method, but I don't it, think they got Peter, across that.
2: P- Peter, um, it, but it, I'm not defending Tony here, right? But it's, it's more than just that. It's, it's, he had a son who actually he's remembering and he and his son shared lots of character traits. They both liked to tinker with engines. He said this, right? He says, John was like me. That's what he's remembering, right? Mm. He, you know, he's, he said he liked machines, John, just like me. That's what he was remembering. And just for what it's worth, you know, uh, I'm I'm a weird petrol head. I like Formula One, but I'm not really that much into cars. And I like driving, but I don't really care for you know having the latest model this and that. And I don't know a carburetor from a big end. I just I'm not interested and in whatever. However, going up into the attic is a bit of a man cave thing, or going into the shed and finding something which has um memories for you and then kind of wanting to pass that on what you said about angling something which i've never done that was explained to me it's not about really fishing it's about either being alone with your thoughts and contemplating mm-hmm. or being with somebody else and contemplating mm. right it's the 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 fishing and the rod is almost incidental you know that's the excuse yeah. you give each other to, to be there and And wrapped up in that train set was his relationship with his departed son. And I've gone into into my loft uh, where where my mum and dad live. And I remember doing this when Noah was round about uh, born, so end of 2000. And I found an old um, Daredevil comic from 1965, 66, which I remember I bought when I was 14 or so. And I spent... It felt like an inordinate amount of money at the time. Let's say five pounds, and I said, "I'm going to give that to Noah. I'm going to give that to my son." But he was too distracted with his scratch cards. He was there, <laughs> going, oh, car, car. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Dan. you know what? You know what, <laughs> Give me some money. You, you don't have know how to ruin a moment, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry.
3: But the thing is, like Tony, he is really deluded. He doesn't read people well because he was he was you know, is it naivety, is it stupidity? I don't know. Or is it sort of wishful thinking? Where he, he literally thought Johnny was taking an interest in the train set, and Johnny was certainly not doing that, was he? No, 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 at was all. Be, He was just being he was just being probably
2: thinking oh
3: god
4: yeah i mean tony is is consistent so you know i mean uh, there are certain characters who if i know it's going to be an episode primarily about them i might give myself you know i might not necessarily listen to the whole thing um not many but only occasionally um tony's definitely one of them if it's a pat and tony episode i'm like okay i can catch up on this next time sometimes But um, Johnny, I'd started to like, but one of the problems I thought with this week's um, writing was how weird Johnny went. And I think that made it even more difficult to listen to Tony because it was kind of like Mm. a, a, um, it was a kind of back and forth between the two of them. And you had Johnny's now apparently incredibly materialistic. He's, um, he's got the self-discipline to save up money over a period of months while he obsesses about his haircut, then Mm. immediately flip to being completely cool with his haircut and now start to spend what one assumes is going to be thousands of pounds on scratchies. So it it just in, in between trying to deal with um Tony and and trying to give trying to be positive and give the whole plot the benefit of the doubt, you're also dealing with Johnny and maybe that kind of really
3: threw me off. Yeah. And also to get four flowers as he was calling them, which were lucky clovers on a scratch card and throw them away, I mean Bloody
2: idiots! Yeah, I I I think the 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 character of Johnny is being dealt a dodgy hand because of COVID nineteen. There is no way that we had that whole setup with him and and Freddie for it just to be all you know, and the fact that you know he had to wear a cap everywhere. And I actually thought, you know what, good little storyline. More men worry about their receding hairlines than than we care to mention. Right. And then for it just to be dealt with in a couple of COVID monologues, is just crazy. You know, why go through all of that and have Linda think they were dealing drugs? And, and I appreciate that. That served another purpose to think that Freddie was still a bit, you know, was, was still a wrong and then uh, help then to service the storyline with Linda and Freddie. But you didn't need uh, to involve Johnny in that at all. You know, we were led to believe that there was something uh, medically seriously wrong with with Johnny. Mm. And for it just to be just like, oh, yeah, well, I'm happy with this now. I'll just wear a cap. It's a bit like, hey, what? No, no, surely you've got you kind of going to have to drag this out. So all I can think is that in these 12 weeks worth of storylines that went up in smoke, a lot of this was actually uh, Johnny and and his hairline and him coming to terms with 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 hair loss, premature hair loss, considering he's what only in his uh, early twenties, cetera. And this is just a nod and a wink to that. So because when we come back out of the COVIDs, um, we're going to move on.
3: God, it feels so long ago that um, Tony shaved his hair off and sort of went, "You can do it," and they all did it together, and it was all fine. Mm. I was kind mm. of thinking, was that pre-COVID? <laughs> I can't remember. But yeah,
2: no, it wasn't. Was it? It was. It was at the start. It was the start when we, uh, mm. you know. But hey, yeah. it was just uh, just bizarre uh, in terms yeah. of the the lopsidedness of it. You know, we had this big setup, and what then is there? <laughs> uh, they're, they're kind of hip, cool, and trendy, aren't they? Asymmetrical hair, haircuts. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that after thoroughly going through Claire from Clapham's call and giving it the thorough doing over that it needed, it's time for the Cranky Yankee.
0: Hello, Dumpty Dumpters. This is the Cranky Yankee calling from the Metro New York area. And I want to compliment you all for your exquisite analysation. I know that's not a word, but I've been in isolation way too long about the archers. Um, It's always a pleasure to listen to the podcasts and to see how inclusive the community is. And I just want to say, keep going. You're doing a great job. I also want to compliment the editing job of the script writers because I think it's gotten much better as the weeks go on and they switch from person to person as they go along. And I'm finding it easier and easier to listen to. I also want to say how much I enjoy listening to it as the omnibus nowadays.
3: Okay, bye-bye. Oh, cranky yankee. Uh, Yeah, so it feels like the editing's getting better in the monologues, just as we're moving into the dialogues. Would you agree that that's happened? Can you notice an improvement in how it's been put together?
2: Peter,
4: oh, Royfield, I was, I was, I was thinking you would take that. Uh, No. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, last week I was full of positivity and I was saying how I thought that they were ma- uh, making a lot of progress and it started to be a bit slicker. And I think one of the things mm. I said was there was a kind of uniformity of tone, which I, which I think made it uh, a bit, a bit sort of a smoother experience. And then this week happened, and so I'm not trying to be contrary, but I found the exact opposite. I felt it was like a big backward step this week. Um, with the exception, obviously, of our big love for joy, and also yeah. um, Harrison's, um, you know, little cameos. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I it's not, I'm not disagreeing for the sake of it. But it definitely wasn't my experience this week. But generally, as a general trend, it has improved.
2: Yeah. Mm, okay.
3: <laughs> I thought you were going to speak. There. Yeah. But I do, it, it is, it is nice.
4: It is nice that people are enjoying it i mean mm. i because i i don't think um we've talked about this but all of my dumpty dums have been done during um the coronavirus have been done since the monologues have come along i've never done we've never done it when together when it's been um mm. the normal back and forth and i think you two were already a bit jaded when i turned up and so <laughs> I, it's when when people call when people call in with their kind of more positive take it does remind me of my early Dumpty Dums, where um, Royfield was slightly <laughs> shocked that I was so uh, affectionate. Yeah,
3: those first few sentences of yours. <laughs> yeah,
4: Royfield thought he was going to get a sort of like a wild-eyed misanthrope, and instead I was like, "Yeah, it's great. I love it." <laughs> so, it, but it is nice to it is nice to hear people enjoying it, and you mm. know, um, and and being and
2: keeping up the positivity. Mm. Yes, it is lovely indeed. Uh, now, uh, the last caller in a row of uh, this extended dum-de-dum in terms of record time, because we've had a technical mishap, folks, is uh, Sandra.
6: Hello, this is Sandra Jenkinson from a sunny Waterlooville where I've been doing some early morning gardening. Get me. Anyway, I saw the tweet from Kerry Davis at the weekend informing us that we're actually about to get some dialogue in the uh, programme, so I hope that satisfies everybody. I hope it's going to be a good one. Bye. Well,
4: I, um, I think we got a little bit of a preview. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry, Kerry. I was just going to say, I think we got a bit of a preview um, at this end, and Royfield and I did, because we had a very tender dialogue between a mother and a daughter, where the mother was suffering some technical issues. And, (laughs) um, you know, if we can get some of that in the Arches in a couple of weeks, it was wonderful. There was, you know...
3: It was quite tender, wasn't it? With a little bit of swearing from both of us. A little mm. bit of
4: swearing, but this, it was yeah. all done. It was all. It was all done in honeyed tones. And you were you were you were sort of aware of the imposition on your daughter's afternoon. Mm. And she seemed she didn't want to patronise you, but at the same time didn't necessarily want to take too long over it. And it was yeah, and mm. it was it was lovely.
3: And I think also bearing in mind that she could have gone mad because I might have broken her laptop. She was very oh. very restrained, wasn't she?
4: Yes, yes. No, was, but anyway, so yeah, if, we can, if, if we can have, uh, you know, the Warbis household, sort of like the general sort of um, atmosphere and kind of um, dialogue transported into the archers, then all the better.
3: Oh, were you gripped?
4: It wasn't enough. More, please. Yeah, um, uh, let's get <laughs> on to a commissioning editor. Uh, Warbis, a gripping docudrama <laughs> starting, you know, next Friday.
3: Okay. I'm up for that.
2: Roy Field, was it just me? It was just you, Peter. <laughs> okay. No, no, oh, no, wow. no, no, no. Oh, I wow. thought Mimi sounded lovely and you really got a sense of that mother and daughter dynamic. And I I found it quite moving actually. Mum had a problem with technology, you know. She's not a spring chicken anymore. Young, <laughs> young daughter, you know, rushed to the rescue and uh, basically said, Mom, have you switched it off and on again? And when it happened, it, you know, then it all worked again. It was wonderful. It was it was a lesson for the ages. <laughs> I
3: thought you were going to say for the ages.
2: <laughs> that as well. That as well. I would,
3: I would pinch your arm next time I see you if you had said that. Uh, Kerry, do we
2: have any emails?
3: Ooh, we do. Okay, yeah, we do have um, a couple of messages. We've got uh, one from Jenny from Southampton. She says, hi, lovely Roy Field, esteemed Kerry co-host, positive Peter (laughs) and dumpty dummers everywhere. It's Jenny from Southampton. I thought this week was the best monologue week so far. Really story-led and a great mix of emotions. This is about last week's. Poor old Alice. Although we've all seen this drinking problem coming on for ages, I think it's great that the Archers are showing how easy it is for family and friends not to realise anything's wrong. Often when high achievers struggle, they do it like they do everything else. That is to say, really well. Alice's default is to act like everything's fine to such a point that she can even fool herself. I've never liked Alice, but I'm absolutely rooting for her at the moment. Uh, My hope is that Debbie will come back and help her. I hope to God she doesn't get pressured into motherhood. Not all doom and gloom, though, because Emma forging the children's letters did make me chuckle. I hope you're all well. Jenny from Southampton, putting my name again for Kerry's ease of reference. Thank you, Jenny. (laughs) Very kind. Um, And then we have another, which is a text message. And this is from Purple Pumpkin. Purple Pumpkin says, Dear Kerry, Royfield, Pete and Dumpty Dummers everywhere, thank you, thank you, thank you for staying fun and mostly positive. (laughs) Um, I'm finding the monologues a chore that I have to get through to earn my place on the tweet along as a Dumpty Dummer. Um, So really struggle with finding something nice to say. Tim Bentink suggested the powers that be chose monologues over risking poor production values. And I think that was the wrong call. Can't wait for some more plot and interactions. Your loyal listener, Purple Pumpkin. Mm. Here we go.
4: Kerry, given that you um, can be slightly intolerant of sort of inconsistencies and sort of um, some of the more unrealistic parts of the, you know, the, the, yeah. of the archers, and then you have callers like Jack who are, um, you know, it's the immersive nature that sort of really gets them. Do you think we would be giving the the archers as much of a kicking if it was a slightly scratchy, poorly produced, um, you know, different... A uh, sound recording levels version. Do you think? It, no. Do you think we'd? Be, you don't.
3: I don't think so. No, I think we'd be more generous and forgiving. I think it'd be more fun and more interesting. So do you think it'd
4: be? To, you think it would be like going to see your kids in the in the school play? You just sort of squint a bit, <laughs> forget about the, forget yeah. about the one on the end picking his nose and that sort of stuff.
3: Just cry a lot. Um, no, I, I do think they could have had a go, and I wouldn't have minded it being a bit rough around the edges, really.
2: Yeah, I I, I disagree. You know, um, I I'm not saying that you would uh, change your mind necessarily, but I think the great Ambridge listening public uh, would not have been happy, and and I think be, because there's a false equivalency that goes on, and people will say, well, I've heard Dead Ringers or I've heard this or I've heard that. And those programs are produced once a week, you know. And and, and what people just aren't getting is the production time for this is longer than all of those shows. And because whether, whether they... Could have used another bit of technology. There is still going to be a ramp up time in terms of just using the new technology and getting the production flow behind it sorted. So, um, and and remember that you know we've gone down from gone from six days a week to four, right? So this is obviously taking them more time to put together. Doesn't matter what anybody says; it just is. And then we have. As I kind of explained to to somebody the other day, there's been a way institutionally of producing this for seventy years, for sixty nine years, they've done this a certain way. If you change it overnight, as the as they did, there's going to be a few speed bumps, and you have to get the production system working behind it to get it back up to speed. And and I mm-hmm. think if we if people if they did use Zoom or whatever, it still would have taken time, and mm-hmm. and that, and there wouldn't have been uh, six episodes a week. You no, know, the editor, the technical person, all these people have to get their heads around this new way of doing things because they've institutionalised themselves for sixty-nine years of doing it one way, rightly or wrongly. That's just mm-hmm. you know, that's just going to happen, and then we would then people just says it sounds crappy. What about dead ringers or what about blah, 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 that do one of these a week? And that sounds and that sounds awesome. I think they're damned if they did and damned if, if they didn't. The only thing that would have really appeased people is if they'd have gone, right, we can't do this. We're going to go off air for two weeks, three mm. weeks. And then you could have come back with anything. People would say, thank God for that. But because they just went, in effect, seamlessly from the old way to the new way, People just going, oh, I don't like this. Because all these other BBC shows, it's all fine for them, forgetting they only do one of those a week. So there I just think way.
4: that... Go Sorry, Rafa, there is a third way that no one's discussed, which is the way they used to do Rainbow, the children's programme. <laughs> did you know that Zippy, <laughs> Zippy and George were voiced by the same actor?
3: Oh. I
4: did not know that. Yeah. So, you know, if Tim and a few of the other actors could, uh, you know, tool up and you know do a bit of of impersonating
3: (laughs) people are always saying that the younger males just all sound the same so that'd be fine speaking about the sort of lead time to the prepping of it and everything Mm. the the so did anyone think about the social distancing in this episode where they were all around on the green with the kids playing and um stuff like that and didn't um rosie hit daisy (laughs) (gasps) <gasps> mm. But there are some things that they're doing that are to do with COVID, aren't there? And being in isolation, but then all of a sudden they're all on the green and everyone's hitting each other.
2: Mm. I, I I must admit, I, I I'm confused now <clears throat> and it's probably going to say a lot mm. about me as to what exactly, not when you're in shops, but really what are the rules? now i've seen people anyway whatevs. Uh, i'll, I'll yeah. shut up right because we're getting it's a whole can of worms yeah so i'll just shut up and reverse out of that so uh, what what was the last thing you said there kerry um it's social distancing da, 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 da. yeah everyone um, hitting each other okay cool <laughs> peter peter uh, you are you're, you're a parent of a of a toddler yeah um when you take him down the park um what are the social distancing rules do you, how do you explain them to a toddler
4: uh, I don't think you do, and I think I think there's a uh, very few parents pull the children apart, and I think part of it is we're all desperate for the kids to catch up on their immunity and also also their socialisation. So, you know, any kids under about fifteen months old, which is the age my kid is, I think, yeah, that there's there's more damage to be done by uh, um, just you know lack of immunity and lack of um, sort of social awareness. Than, than actually from the COVID, but then also you've got to be aware of the potential of you know, c- catching and transmitting the disease. So I think what you do is you you sort, of act, you sort of secretly embrace any serendipitous clashes of the children, leave it for a few seconds, and then go and peel them apart. Well, that seems to be the way it's done. And But we haven't been organising any kind of meetups with other, other mm-hmm. parents, and when we do, we keep the kids apart. But is that a bit of a rambling answer to your question?
3: No, I mean they were outside and everything, weren't they? Which is a bit different, I guess. But it
4: yeah, but I mean, it's it. I mean, if you're if the if the kids run up and start touching each other and kind of rolling around together, it does open a bit of a can of worms, doesn't it? Because it's like you, you know you're you're making a big show of standing apart from the parents, and in yeah. the meantime, you've got these two little vectors, um, you know, sharing as much body fluid as they possibly can. Mm.
3: And do you think Pip didn't speak to Joy because she was trying to do social distancing or because she's horrible?
4: They shared the car, didn't they? And, and wasn't Pip a little bit mean about um, Joy after the... Because Ben and Josh, I think, had a good time with um, Joy. And I think um, if if memory serves, Pip wasn't quite as charitable.
3: Because mm, Joy was really worrying. She's like, oh, is is Pip not speaking to me because of this, that and the other or, you know... I thought oh, come on, Pip, just speak to her,
4: yeah, it's pip, I mean i I've always been a pip's pip's part of a number of characters that and I don't and I don't know whether it's me or whether it's the Archers, there's there's several characters on who I really have liked historically who I'm starting to turn against, and Pip's one of them, like I've always liked Pip when she was growing up, and then now I'm a bit kind of like, oh, you you're not turning out the way I thought you would,
3: mm. yeah, i didn't like her from the off, but
4: oh,
2: okay, <laughs>
3: <laughs> really.
0: Uh, was I,
4: I was always on Ben and Josh's side,
3: mm.
4: but even when they were kind of like you know, they were always being described as trouble, and I still like them. But um, but I liked you know, but Pip, I was, always, it was I was, I, I liked all of those kids to be honest.
3: It was just a bit heartbreaking joy, sort of going, Oh, they're eating more of the sweet corn than the ducks, and there's like nothing. No interaction, anyway. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
2: Right, uh, I think it's probably an opportune time for us to uh, to break, uh, have a little bit of uh, uh Well, I was gonna, you know, you, I suppose what you can do, you can hit pause right now, everybody. Nip, uh, have a comfort break, uh, maybe put the kettle on, um, or even if you're next to your loved one, turn to your loved one and say, "I love you." I'm enjoying dum de dum, but I just wanted to say I love you cause that'd be a nice thing to do right now, and we'll come back the other side.
9: Hey everyone. Millie Bell here with the social media roundup for the week. And we wondered whether Fallon would regret being more welcoming to Joy. And Christy Nichols said, I'm excited to have Joy back. I didn't love her in the first one or two appearances, but I'm glad to have her now. It sounds like she might be able to identify one of the fly tippers. Will she catch Tim and his crew before Harrison Will? Hmm, well done, Christy. And Katrina Wong said... While I would have the same reaction to Joy as Kirsty, a.k.a. Hyde, I have a lot of empathy for her because she's lonely. Rosie McGlynn said Joy is fab and will be a great friend to Fallon. I don't see the issue with multi-generational friendships. I have friends who are 30 to 40 years older than me and feel very fortunate to have them in my life. Uh, Sandra Jenkinson said Joy is lonely. That's why she invests too much in other people. My guess is that she will be supportive to Kirsty. When the time comes and Rob Williams said blow Fallon and Joy nobody else think Johnny is approaching industrial to Olympic levels of stupidity what was it 50 pounds on scratchers, only to throw them away without actually checking what the winning symbols are and that's without going into the pointless futility of astrology not understanding just how long the odds are So thank you to Rob for uh, bringing us back to our senses with that. I have to say, I absolutely agree. Joy is obviously very, very lonely. She's also incredibly kind. And I would avoid her just because she talks too much and it would drive me crazy. But Fallon is a really lovely young woman, so I'm sure she's going to do the right thing. And we also said that Tony eventually got what he wanted, But Will Harrison, because Harrison was very keen to get back to his wife, if you remember. And Stephen Bowden said, I found the Harrison-Fallon-Holiday thing a bit too much by the end of Thursday's episode. It was good to have a bit of a plot, albeit something self-contained. I don't believe it will open up anything more complicated with uh, Timothee dropping Ed into the silage. But there's only so much romantic policeman I can take. And Rob Williams said, What did Harrison say when he was deciding whether or not to call in and tell Joy what had happened? That's not what gets me messages on Susan's radio show. I thought he was a policeman for something other than self-aggrandizement. And Rob Wilson-Williams then said, Oh, good grief, I was just about to throw something if I heard any more of that man-child in his train set. I fully expect you to hear. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in tonight's programme, please ring 0800 Chew. Thank you very much, everybody. And Rob, you are my very, very last poster. This is my last um, episode with you. I've had the most awesome run. I think I've been uh, doing this for about six years. I used to do it by myself. And then one day I heard Yokel Bear on Dumpty dum and I thought, I need someone to help me. And he's the man. And it turned out he was the very man. I'd like to thank Yokel Bear for the laughs. For all the support and for being someone I could have a little grumble about the arches with on the side. Uh, very much would like to um, thank Royfield for having given me the opportunity and Lucy V for all her support. And absolutely with a spoon, who is just one of the nicest people around. I'm so glad that he's also my friend. But I also have other friends that I've made through Dumpty Dum. And I'd like to say to everybody who's called in or who has played with us on Facebook. Thank you very much. We leave you in very, very good hands. The new team is shaping up beautifully. I know you will enjoy them. And of course, there is a new page being set up. You must join it because it will be so much easier for you to interact. And with that, for the final time, I say to you, hooroo!
2: Ah, thank you for that, Millie. And um, in lots of ways, uh, your contribution... To Dum Dum, which has been, goodness, six years, Um, was a real pointer to me that we were kind of onto something uh, when you decide, when when I asked you to do the social media roundup, and you very kindly said yes. And I think neither of us knew back then that six years later, uh, you'd, you'd still be doing it. And unlike, say, Yokel Bear, uh, or some of the, some of the other contributors, we've never actually met because you're all the way down there uh, in the antipodes, and your efforts and your work have been so sterling, Millie Bell, for all this time. And I think we've probably only ever spoken twice. I can definitely remember once, and even then it was like utterly years ago. I think literally went when we first started doing this, and you've and you are such an incredible self starter. You just get the stuff done um, and you've been such an amazing glue and an amazing uh, contributor for the podcast for years. And it has been really quite touching um, to end up with your daughter doing the dum-de-dum because I think it was a few weeks after you first started doing or maybe a few months after you first started doing them that you did the dumby dum together so there's a really lovely way of um you know circling your time with us here at dumby dum but again Millie Bell I just like thank you for all of the hours and it has been hours that you spent uh curating and managing our Facebook page and then doing uh your wonderful social media roundups for us so um uh to you and um as somebody said on facebook uh, don't be a stranger and uh, why don't you uh become a caller iner yourself now uh because uh, we always want to hear your voice so, so again uh from myself from uh kerry from peter uh from lucy Uh, from um, Harriet Sandbridge's, everybody that's associated with the podcast, thank you for six years of doing the social media roundup. Kerry Warbis. Oh, we haven't called you Auntie Kerry yet, have we, in this episode?
3: No, you haven't. No, I think that was because, uh, who was it who was calling me that, who I hope it was. Um, Witherspoon hasn't rung in, has he? To mm. to use it and trigger us.
2: Yeah, well, but yeah, but we, we need to we need to keep that up. We don't need to just cool. fall fallow. So, Auntie Kerry Warbis, do you have any tweets of the last seven days?
3: I do indeed. Yes. So, um, this first one is from Neil Wallington, who is at Doctor Wallington on the Twitters, and he says, "Giving this another go." It turns out Tim O'Tay is known to the police. PC Burns had him in for questions last Chahoba. <laughs> I can't lie. You actually laughed at that one.
2: I did. That's funny.
3: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, then this is an exchange between... Now, I keep using these two people. I'm so sorry. But it's um, I'm Budish, who is um, a bit Budish. And he says, funnily enough, Intimate Pagola" was the original name for the Millennium Falcon. And Alison, oh. who is at Nozilla underscore 63, replies to him and said, are you sure that wasn't Carpet Burns's moniker when he was a stripper? Hey. Whoop. <laughs>
2: um,
3: this next one, I put it in here, and I think you might edit it out because it's not very charitable, but it made me laugh because it's just really simple. It just, it's from at Amanda White at Amanda White Art. And she says, I think it's time Tony was sectioned. <laughs> <laughs> but you might not want to leave that in, I don't know. Uh, we're nearly there. We've got one more and then the Tweet of the Week. And now this one is by at Pete Fickling. And he says... <laughs> <laughs> Donda Yeah. <laughs> He says, donde esta el hombre de tipo de fly, por favor, pet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I laughed out loud in the street when I read that. Uh, But this is Tweet of the Week. (laughs) And this is uh, by Ian at Rutharian. And he was replying to a tweet of mine. So it's all a bit incestuous, this. But I put, Harrison's got the raging horn, because he did at the end of the show. And Ian says, whereas Tony has got the raging hornby.
2: Uh, uh, good.
3: You, you didn't laugh, but it's clever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Obviously, he's referring to uh, Nick Hornby of uh, Fever Pitch <laughs> and <those. laughs> early 90s uh yeah uh books and stuff uh folks uh, dumdum.com uh go there it's got it's got stuff there it's got uh <laughs> links to all of our stuff on on the on uh, on youtube oh and I've, i haven't said this for a few weeks but uh please go onto youtube and go subscribe to our channel uh we have got to the magical uh mark of a 1000 uh, which means we'll probably start getting 2 pence a month Uh, from the good people down at YouTube Uh, but we are putting more content up on YouTube Um, this week I will put up my interview with Ben Norris which is his first day on set which I, I did right at the start of the, of the Coronas. That's before the Friday Zooms kind of like took over and stuff. So uh, we still have that. And I've got a lovely interview as well with Anya, who played Lexi, a simile about her first down set. So go on to YouTube, type in either Dum Dum or Royfield, and uh, it, it all points to the same place. And uh, you can watch uh, all the past Zooms, uh, but then also uh, there will be some new content as well. Um, a great way to help keep the whole kitten caboodle, which is this podcast, uh, on the straight and narrow, is by going onto Patreon.com and uh, and donating two dollars per show. And it helps whenever we've got a few expenses uh, to pay for things like Speakpipe or some new coding that needs to be done on the website. It means we can actually get it done. So um, if you want to go and support uh, the podcast uh, financially, you can do that by going onto Patreon com uh, you don't have to give us shekel, give us money, give us moolah and we know that times are hard we're in the middle of a global pandemic. but one thing you can do if you haven't got any uh, any reds is maybe go on to Apple iTunes, write us a review because that is a great way for us to have the oxygen of publicity so we get more listeners onto the podcast. Mm. Now uh, the next bit's in red.
3: Yes, it is. Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website, or call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message, or send a text message starting with DUM to 077 862
2: 00690. You can find Yokel Bear uh, on uh, Twitter, quite simply, at Yokel Bear. You can find Dumdy dum At dum dum Kerry Warbis can be found at... At Kerry Warbis. Pete Fickling is at... Pete Fickling. And I can be found at Royfield, which is R-O-I for India, F-I-E-L-D. On Facebook... We are moving from our page to a group. And people are saying, Why are you doing this, Royfield? I will tell you. Uh, because if you have a page, it means that it's um more labor intensive for the admins. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five new admins. And you actually heard one of them today. It was Sandra Jenkinson, who's one of our new admins. Um so what we decided to do is move to a group scenario, which means that when you post a message, uh, good listener. You're not shuffled onto that little funny right column on a page. You go onto the middle of the page and really it's much more democratic. And talking about democracy, you'll be seeing, You'll if you go onto the uh, Dumpty Dum Facebook group, you'll see that I got a right slap across the chops by the listeners for one of my suggestions that I said we would do <laughs> on the group this week. I won't tell you what that is other than to say, why don't you go and sign up? to the Dumpty Dum group on Facebook to see the kicking and the shellacking that I got uh, <laughs> from um, uh, half a dozen <laughs> of the listeners for m- just merely suggesting something which people says, no, Roy Ford, we don't want that on our dumde Dum Facebook group. Stop that cease and desist, man. So, yes. Uh, so, go on to Facebook, type in Dumdy Dum. You will see there are two Dumdy Dums. The one with the big blue masthead, which has the lovely picture of Pete and with Kerry, Auntie Kerry, and then with Yoko Bear and Millie Bell, and with me when I was about 20, 20 stone lighter, uh, that's <laughs> the one that you need to sign up for, uh, It's the Dumpty Dum group. Uh, you need to answer a very simple question, and then you get in there, and all fun and hilarity then ensues when you are a member of that Facebook group. I have to big up my Flickat posse, because the Flickat posse uh, deserve a big up, so I'm bigging you up, Flickat posse. Uh are you saying what is the Flick app? Quite simply, you go onto either Apple iTunes, type in Flick, and then, uh, or the Google Play Store, and it is an app where, uh, quite simply, when you download it, you type in Dumdy Dum and you get Dumby Dum on your phone. And I quite like it because it's all a bit kind of like bit personal, bit intimate with the other Dumdy Dummers, and uh, we just have fun down there. So, big up to the Flick app posse, and especially to people like. Drew and to Rosie Porty, who are all over that app. That's us. Uh, that's been um, a week in Ambridge. And uh, the monologues are nearly over. I hear cheers from Middle England. Uh, and uh, good times. Good times are just around the corner, folks. Yeah. And as uh, one of the uh, listeners said, we've, this has been a trial of all of us. And we will be shown our metal by being Ambridge ultras by uh, listening through the last three months. We understand the reasons why they did what they had to do, but they've kept some small flicker, a small light that is forever Ambridge glowing. But my God, do we need a raging fire uh, when the, when these uh, monologues are over? My God, they need to burn that barn down, quite literally, metaphorically, <laughs> in every other which way, but because. I can't take much more of this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Beat Vicklin, would you like to sign off? Yeah, thank you, everyone. Uh, How about you, Aunt Kerry Warbis? In the words
3: of Joy Horville, you can't put a price on a smile. Uh,
2: Toodle, everybody. See you all next (laughs) week. (laughs) Bye-bye.
9: Thank Yoko Bear for the laughs, for all the support, and for being someone I could have a little grumble about the archers with on the side. Uh, very much would like to um, thank Royfield for having given me the opportunity, and Lucy V for all her support, and absolutely with a spoon, who is just one of the nicest people around. I'm so glad that he's also my friend. But I also have other friends that I've made through Dumpty Dum, and I'd like to say to everybody who's called in or who has played with us on Facebook, thank you very much. And with that, for the final time, I say to you, Hooroo!